to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. Today, I'm talking about ketamine. You've probably heard about it. It's marketed as a miracle drug that treats depression, anxiety, PTSD, chronic pain, substance use disorders, and just about everything else. We first mentioned ketamine in episode 99, Can Psychedelics Heal Your Emotional Pain with psychologist Brian Pilecki. That episode has been our most popular episode of all time. So I know some of you are really interested in learning more about psychedelics as a treatment option. While many people consider ketamine to be a psychedelic, it's not really a true psychedelic, but it does have dissociative features, and it's legal in the United States. Proponents say it works better than other prescriptions that we have on the market. Yet at the same time, it's not FDA-approved for the treatment of many of those conditions. It's used as anesthesia that is often prescribed off-label to treat mental health issues. Ketamine infusion clinics are cropping up around the United States where you can get IV ketamine. Most recently, though, online telehealth services are prescribing ketamine in the form of an oral lozenge that's mailed directly to your door. While some people insist that this is the miracle drug that the mental health industry has been looking for, other people are concerned about the potential safety risks. So here today to talk about ketamine is Lauren Swanson. She's a physician's assistant who prescribes ketamine at the telehealth company WonderMed. Some of the things she shares today are how to know if ketamine might be right for you, the benefits you might expect to gain, and some real-life stories of patients who have tried prescription ketamine. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for the therapist's take. It's the part of the show where I'll give you my take on Lauren's tips for exploring ketamine as a treatment option. So here's Lauren Swanson on the truth about ketamine treatment for anxiety and depression. Lauren Swanson, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Thank you, Amy. So nice to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today about ketamine. Because in fact, there was recently a study that came out that said SSRIs might not necessarily be as effective as we once thought, and that maybe depression isn't linked to serotonin in the brain. Although we've made great gains in the field of psychiatry over the last few years, I feel like we still have a long way to go. But there's some pretty interesting studies out there about ketamine. We've talked about psychedelics on the show before, but curious to dive into ketamine. But before we dive in and talk about that, I just want to hear a little bit from you. How did you get into this field to become a doctor who prescribes specifically ketamine? Right, exactly, exactly. So uh, I'm a physician assistant and I've been in practice for 15 years now. And for 14 of those years, I actually worked in family practice and urgent care. And in that environment, um, basically what was in my toolbox was exactly what you said, SSRIs, SNRIs, benzos, um, sending patients to a therapist, you know, such as yourself. So have years of experience uh, with those medications and and also everything that they bring, <laughs> the side effects, not working, uh, patients not wanting to take them and so forth. But anyway, my story is kind of an interesting one. Um, being in family practice, I loved it initially. You know, family practice, urgent care is very exciting and, and uh, very rewarding to be in patients' lives in that manner. But I was really experiencing some serious burnout. Um, as so many family practitioners do, you know, just seeing a million patients a day, 
and um, working on nights and weekends off the clock, finishing charts, reviewing CT scans, reviewing labs, sending lab letters to patients, calling the pharmacy because the prescription I wrote is out of stock or, you know, what have you. So I was really experiencing burnout. Um, I tried to make some adjustments. I got into a leadership role. So I wasn't seeing patients a few days a week, thinking that that would be better. But then all of a sudden, I found myself um, overseeing an entire department and that had its troubles in itself. And, and there I was again, you know, just working and working and working and working and burning myself out. So then came the pandemic <laughs> and um, the pandemic, you know, I, I had already experienced burnout and it was just so difficult, really, um, being a practitioner during that and, and working in that environment with um, I was in an outpatient setting. So I, I'm not trying to pretend I was, you know, working in a, at a hospital at the time, but still had to um, had to treat my patients with COVID and long COVID and, and their fear and anxiety and explaining to them, their options. Um, so that emotionally took a toll. And I was just thinking, well, geez, I can't leave now. I mean, this is COVID, like people are getting laid off. You know, I should be very happy that I'm in this position. Um, worked with fantastic people, awesome doctors and other PAs and NPs, and um, just felt really comfortable there. But as time went on, you know, it, it just was getting worse. And uh, my husband was noticing, you know, you're not even present when you are present, you know, because you're just thinking about all the millions of things you have to do. So there was an event. Um, and, you know, you as a therapist, you probably hear this all the time, you know, and people come in and they're like, this totally changed my entire trajectory. Um, but there was an event that happened to me in February of 2021 um, that completely shifted everything. So um, I'll, I'll just like speak on this briefly because it is part of my stories. So essentially everything was was going okay. It was, you know, pandemic was uh, well in way, you know, and we'd kind of figured things out working from home and, and just doing our thing. At the time I had a three-year-old son going on four um, and, you know, things were overall decent. And all of a sudden I woke up one day, was um, feeling great. And literally by the afternoon, I had been admitted to the hospital for an internal bleed. And um, it was getting worse. And they were like, we have to do an emergency surgery. So they did. Unfortunately, the surgery was unsuccessful. Um, I stayed at the hospital there that night and, and things kind of tapered down for a moment. Um, but then the next day, it got really bad. And I lost a lot of blood very rapidly. I actually lost over half of my blood volume. Um, and Amy, I'm telling you, it was nuts. It was like a Grey's Anatomy episode, <laughs> like people running around in the room. I'm, you know, attached to IVs and I can hear the beeping and my husband's in the room. Thank goodness they let him be there. Um, my blood pressure is dropping. I could feel myself fading, thinking, oh my gosh, don't, don't fall asleep. But, you know, got my son and my husband's there and, and, um, I hear the nurses, you know, freak out. She's dropping 50 over 40, you know, 47 over 37. Like my pressure is tanking. Um, they give me adrenaline through my line and they uh, are eventually able to stop the bleed. My blood pressure stabilizes and um, I made it through. So to back up a couple of days before that, um, I woke up again, normal morning. My son, uh, the love of my life, you know, comes up to me and um, gives my stomach a big kiss because I'm pregnant. I'm six months pregnant. And um, he's like, mommy, how's the baby doing? You know, can I feel her kicking? 
and um, and everything was great. So really, the the point of me telling you that is that uh, all of a sudden I found myself on death's door. Uh, I ended up having a placental abruption um, that got worse and, and ultimately caused the the bleed. Lost the baby, delivered her um, stillborn, and it was just a crazy event. You know, you wake up one day and your life is one way, and the next day it's not. You're signing a death certificate and trying to find a mortuary and just thinking, wait, what, what happened? Is this, is this a dream? Like, so, um, back to, you know, where this really lands as far as my career. So at that time I was hospitalized for four days. They released me after my blood transfusions and, and things were getting a little bit better, but I was still physically like not even able to walk around. And I had to take some time off of work to regain my strength. And, and during that time, you know, I just really reflected so much on that scenario. Like, wow, you know, life is so precious and, and so valuable and, and tomorrow is not um, known. And I love life. I want to enjoy life and live life. You know, I just, I, I have to make some changes here. So when I went back to work six weeks later, I, um, I told my medical director, I said, you know what, this is it. I said, it, it may be in the middle of COVID and I may not be able to find the best fit, but you know, <laughs> it's time for a change, you know, say la vie. So I did, I started looking for new jobs. I applied um, to many jobs. I, I got several offers that I turned down. I just, I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to jump into something just to jump into something. Had to be very judicious about it. And I found this company, Wonder Sciences, um, who is the parent company of our company, WonderMed, um, that is the medical group of, of Wonder Sciences. Their research and development company, really getting into psychedelics. And uh, of course, that's kind of in the future. But at this point, ketamine is their first offering. And I had several interviews and basically was like, where do I sign? Where do I start? This is amazing. I mean, they're talking about ketamine, making it affordable, um, having a safe way to use it at home, um, providing all these holistic tools, you know, to their patients uh, to go on the rides, you know. And and so really that's what jump started it. I, I knew I needed to make a change. This event happened. Um, I put it out there in the universe and this this company arrived on my doorstep, essentially. What an amazing journey of how you came to do this. And to do the job that you do now, I'm sorry to hear about the things that you went through to get here, though. And sometimes those moments make us ask just that, like, what do I really want to do with my life? And based on that, we find more meaning and purpose. So we're glad that you're here. Thank you. Yeah. So I've actually been there a year. It is a startup. Um, and so we did a six-month beta trial before we launched to the public. And we just launched in May of this year. So it's, it's been one year. So in the year that you've been here prescribing ketamine, what are you seeing? As a therapist, I'm hearing about it everywhere, but I don't know what the, what the general public is hearing about ketamine these days. Do you find that people know what it is and how it works? Or how do people come to find you in the first place? Exactly. So I'll say, you know, back when I was working in family practice, I knew about ketamine. It's an anesthesia agent. Emergency room doctors use it, you know, for procedures. So, I mean, it was definitely in my wheelhouse of, of knowledge. Um, and I had a, a couple patients that were on it. So I had one patient that had a very severe complex regional pain syndrome that had gone through uh, pain management and all these different things that didn't work. And, and finally, they got her on um, IV ketamine and it worked. So that was the first time I was like, wait, what? For pain management? 
Um, and then after, after that, I actually had a, a dear friend of mine whose husband um, is a veteran and suffers from fairly substantial PTSD. And he found ketamine um, after you know, trying all of these medications and it was helpful to him. So I had heard about ketamine, you know, in my my life as a family practice doctor. But honestly, Amy, I didn't even know that it was available in a way like this that is low dose and safe and easy to access. I mean, I had sent patients to psychiatrists knowing that they used ketamine and the psychiatrists wouldn't even do it. They would say, oh, well, your patient's been on three medications. Let's try two more and get two more failures, you know, before we, we try this. What kind of conditions do you find that ketamine is most useful in treating? Yeah. So ketamine is used for um, a lot of conditions. So as far as its FDA approval, it's an anesthesia agent. In 2018, a, um, a, new, a new product came on the market called Spravato from Janssen, a pharmaceutical company. So that actually did have an indication for mental health use. That's the first time that any type of um, ket- you know, ketamine variant has been approved for mental health. That's been approved in major depressive disorders. But ketamine, generic ketamine, which is what we're talking about today, is used in um, anxiety, depression, PTSD, eating disorders, substance abuse disorders. It's actually really remarkable. I mean, we'll talk about how it works and and, um, the mechanism in the brain, but I mean, they're using it, they're studying it in dementia disorders, in autism spectrum, in uh, nonverbal children, in long COVID. I mean, it's just like, because of, it's, it's very immense um, mechanism in the brain and how it produces this neuroplasticity effect, you get the mental health benefits, but you also get these, um, these other benefits as well. Let's talk about that just a little bit. Since we mentioned that in, since we mentioned neuroplasty, how does ketamine actually work? Yeah. So the way that ketamine works, it actually works in several different ways. Um, And the first thing I want to mention is that it works on a neurotransmitter system called glutamate. So we've heard about neurotransmitters. Serotonin is is one that's thrown out a lot, you know, dopamine, norepinephrine. These are the neurotransmitters that our traditional meds work on, like uh, Lexapro, Prozac, Effexor, those types of medications. So we, with ketamine, it's working on a completely different neurotransmitter pathway than all of these other medications in the past. So that's important too. I'm just kind of going on a side note here, but just to also mention that because of that, Ketamine can be used safely with these other meds. You know, there's not necessarily one size fits all for anything. This isn't like ketamine or nothing. I mean, a lot of times we combine the two um, and you can do that safely. You don't have to worry about a serotonin overload. So when the glutamate system is activated, you actually have an immediate reduction in your symptomatology. I mean, this is remarkable. These medications that I used for all these years, you know, would take weeks to kick in. Um, because of its immediate reduction in anxiety and depression, we're actually seeing ketamine being used in the emergency department for acute suicidality. I mean, how amazing is that? You know, that a one dose can really pull someone out of that deep, deep, dark depression. Um, I will just throw a caveat to that. You know, one dose of ketamine is not going to cure someone's very deep depression. And, and that person in the emergency room would need to be closely followed by psychiatry and and um, definitely involved with the psychotherapist. But that just shows you how powerful this is, you know, that it can actually take someone out of that uh, mind space, you know, so quickly. So when you take ketamine, you have these immediate effects of just reduced anxiety, reduced depression, elevation in mood. And then what happens 
is that you have this, um, this is kind of where we get into the, you know, psychedelic talk. Ketamine is, is actually not a psychedelic, but it is a psych, it does have psychedelic properties. And so people kind of tag it under that umbrella. Um, but it does, it puts you in an altered state of consciousness. And, um, that can be scary for some people, but that's also very valuable because that headspace is very useful. Um, when we're using ketamine and really trying to kind of maximize its potential, um, we can talk, we can talk about that just for a little bit longer. You know, as far as this, this altered state of consciousness, um, with ketamine, you know, if you get a really high dose, you're going to put someone to sleep. We don't want to do that. That's anesthesia. You know, if we go slightly under, the person could have a really scary experience, you know, where they just feel completely ungrounded. Who am I? What am I? What am I doing? They come out of that and it's, it's very scary. Really what we're looking at is the dose under that, you know, where it's, it's you're, you're in an altered state, but you know who you are, where you are, what you're doing. And you use this altered state to actually see things differently. It, it's really hard to put in words and, and even, you know, with Western medicine to explain like how this actually happens. But it puts you in this altered state. It allows you to just visualize your life differently, see things through a different lens, come out of it with a new perspective, pull out insight, you know, into your life that can be used. Um, so the, the subconscious space is, is actually important for that reason. It's about an hour long. So it's not, you know, it's not too much time out of someone's day. And then what happens after actually very quickly, I mean, within two hours, is you start to have this neuroplasticity effect. So the term neuroplasticity, what that means is that it is the brain's ability to create new neural connections. So neural connections are, you know, important for everything. If I'm moving my fingers to play the violin or speaking to you right now, but also neural connections are where thought patterns come down, you know? So like if, if someone is, is really conditioned in their uh, depression, or anxiety to have a negative thought pattern or a rumination um, or just a, a very narrow outlook on their situation, ketamine will just immediately take them out of that and can, you know, take them on a whole new, like just totally reroute it. So with the neuroplasticity, you have this ability instead of your brain to only think that that one way, all of a sudden it's like prime for new possibilities, new routes. Um, under the influence of the ketamine, also you're feeling better. You're feeling less anxious. So you, you have that available to you to think in a new way. We use, I know we'll, we'll get into this, but I mean, it's really important with ketamine to also use integration tools to kind of unpack that, that, uh, session and, and use what you've learned from it to integrate into what might help you, you know, in your, in your life. So let's talk about the integration piece for a minute, because I know a lot of people don't actually want to talk about what they have been through. They just want to use ketamine. They want to feel better. They want the medicine to fix whatever their problem is. But we know that the integration is important. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yes. Isn't that so true? You know, it's like we're so used to in society, just like taking a pill and that's it. It's like that that's not really what um, what we need to do here with ketamine. So um, there are some providers, I will say, that just do ketamine therapy, you know, for the, the drug benefit alone. Um, I can't speak to that because my company doesn't. You know, we use all these other holistic tools um, to really, like, capitalize on that integration. So essentially what we're able to do is um, we're able to, you know, before the session, have the patient set an intention or, or really a focus for that session. 
uh, before they go into this altered state, they've already set their intention, you know? So, so maybe their intention is like, I just want to feel really relaxed and, 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 um, feel love and gratitude, you know, something non-specific, or it could be something very specific of, you know, I just can't seem to get out of this negative thought pattern, like help me get out of this. And you set the focus for the actual session, go into the session, you have this, you know, kind of altered state where you're able to see things differently, pull out insights. And then what happens afterwards, once you come out of the session, is we have our patients journal everything they can think of, you know, how they felt, um, did they, were they able to pull any insights? Um, in addition to that, we have all of our patients have um, uh, the breathwork app. So we give a breathwork membership and we teach our patients how to use that. Breathwork is, is very simple. It's just a you know, sequence of breathings. Um, but what it does is it puts you like directly into the parasympathetic state, you know, so like the rest and digest. So when we're feeling anxious and agitated, if you do some breath work, it helps to relax you. So that's just one of the tools as an example that we use as a, you know, how do we help self-regulate mood? you know, when, when you're feeling in that, that moment. Um, we also have a whole integration program that goes along with our ketamine. And this combines, you know, you'll know because you're a therapist, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, internal family systems model. Uh, we actually had a, a psychotherapist help us with the program, but it's essentially just a daily practice, 15 minutes. Um, first five minutes is a journal prompt. The Next 10 minutes is either going to be a breathwork session or a meditation session. Every few days, there's a challenge. Um, one of the examples of, of one of our challenges that we have in the program is for patients for, it's like a challenge for the day or for the week that if you have a, a negative thought or a negative emotion that pops up to acknowledge it and, um, see, you know, its purpose for being there, uh, acknowledge that it's temporary and let it pass. So when we're saying this right now, it's like, oh, that sounds, that sounds like a great idea. You know, I should do that. But when you're actually under the influence of the ketamine, you have, you know, you take your ketamine and you have this neuroplastic window for a whole week after, it really allows you to do that easier. And so you start to re-prime your brain and, and have these new ways of thinking and, and these healthier thought patterns. And week over week, that becomes your normal. You know, now that's the path of least resistance is to, you know, when you're confronted with a trigger that would normally make you um, anxious or frustrated or or standoffish, you know, that that's not your reaction. Is ketamine prescribed right now in every state? Yes. So ketamine is legal. Um, ketamine, you know, been FDA approved since the, the 19, you know, since 1970. Um, it's been used in mental health disorders since the 2000s. I mean, it is considered off-label unless you're using Spravato for, you know, major depressive disorder. Um, but I'll also say with, you know, with Spravato, and we don't use that in, in my company, but that's also not easily accessible for people because the doctor has to have special approval from Spravato to actually be a prescriber. The patient has to come in the doctor's office for two hours. Um, a lot of doctors don't have, you know, a room that can be occupied by a person for two hours. Uh, and then also it's, it's expensive. It's hard to get it covered through insurance. So, uh, yes, it's legal. I mean, you can, if, if you can go through all those hoops, perhaps bravado is an option for you. Um, if you, you know, just go to a group like, like me, or you go to a psychiatrist or a ketamine clinic and we're using generic ketamine. Yes. I mean, it's legal. It comes from a pharmacy. 
that to compound it as long as you're a medical provider with a, a license to prescribe. So people who go to a ketamine clinic are getting it via an IV? Right. Yes. So there's multiple forms of ketamine. IV, there's an intramuscular, um, which is an injection, you know, a shot. And then there's an oral lozenge. And actually some psychiatrists and ketamine clinics will get the oral lozenge as well. Like they'll, they'll add it to their injectable regimen. Um, but the oral lozenge, the way that, uh, that our, of course, it's dose dependent. So we do low dose, safe, gentle ketamine that you can take at home. Um, there's a plethora of literature actually indicating how efficacious low-dose ketamine can be in these disorders. You don't necessarily have to have the, the real um, high, you know, IV or, or IM experience to get uh, the benefits. And when you prescribe it, does everybody get the same dose or does it depend? It, no. Yeah, it depends. So we take a lot of things into consideration. Um, the patient's weight, their general sensitivity to medication. Have they taken psychedelics before? Because that's another thing, you know, some people are very, um, you know, they're, they're a bit skeptical or scared, you know, to go into an experience like this. So in that case, we may want to start even on a lower dose or a more gentle dose. If someone's taken ketamine before, you know, a lot of people will come to us and maybe they've had a series of an IM and now they just, um, you know, maybe six months has gone by and they want to do a boost with the oral version. How long are people usually doing it at home? Average is three months and different providers have different uh, opinions on this. So our group, we max the treatments out at six months. So the idea is that you get someone on ketamine to get them off. You know, this is a whole different um, frame of mind than what we're used to. You know, these other medications, Prozac, like they only work when you're taking them. You know, the ketamine, you use it as a catalyst to really like make these changes, mold that neuroplasticity, and then you get off of and we know from experience, when people take an antidepressant and it works, then a few months later, they'll often think, well, I don't need this anymore because I feel great. And the compliance rate is really low because people quit taking it. And as soon as they stop taking it, they start struggling again. We know people have to wait four to six weeks to see if their antidepressant is going to work. So that seems to be one of the huge advantages of ketamine. It works really fast and you don't necessarily need to take it forever. Yeah. Is it contraindicated for anybody? Yes, there are contraindications. So um, ketamine in general, it's a stimulant. So that's one of the, you know, things to consider. You know, it does have a stimulant side effect. That's just going to be short-lived a few hours. But still, anyone that has cardiovascular disorder, that has uncontrolled high blood pressure, has um, maybe, you know, glaucoma or, or pressure, they've had a, um, a concussion or some kind of head trauma, like any. Any kind of physical disorder where you wouldn't want to elevate blood pressure would not be a good candidate for this. On the um, on the psychiatry side, you know, any patient that actually has a psychotic disorder, schizophrenia, um, some personality disorders, they actually don't do well with ketamine. So, um, so we we don't treat those patients. What about a family history of psychotic disorders? If somebody in your family has something like schizophrenia, is it still safe to take it? Yeah, we always ask our patients. So we're seeing adults only. Um, and we do ask if there is a family history that prompts further discussion about the patient, you know? And so if they've never had any hallucinations or, um, or delusions or, you know, seen things that weren't there, um, then it, they're going to 
they're going to be safe with ketamine. I mean, it's just if they themselves have a psychosis, what can happen when you put them into that altered state is that it can exacerbate uh, the psychosis. Are there any insurance companies right now that will cover ketamine being prescribed via telemedicine? Only if it's S-ketamine, which is the spravato, um, which is which is not the generic ketamine. So, no, I mean, to my knowledge, it's it's not covered by insurance. So you may be able to get the office visit covered if you're, you know, seeing your psychiatrist who's who's giving ketamine, but the actual medication itself, not that I know of. Okay, so somebody logs on, they decide, yes, I want to try ketamine. You prescribe it, it gets mailed to their house. And then what do you recommend? Like, do you take this on a Friday night when you're home alone or do you take it when there's somebody there? How do you go about actually taking it and deciding when to take it? Should you have somebody there? Should you be alone? Do you need a dark room? Yes, yes. So that's so important. Um, really, the preparation for a ketamine session is is very, very important. We have all of our patients um, choose what we call an ally or, or simply a person that's going to be there physically with them, it can be a family member, a good friend that they feel physically safe with and comfortable with. We do have them, you know, usually the patient is doing it at their house and in their bedroom um, in a comfortable area. We have a, a whole list of, you know, um, to-dos, not to-dos, you know, step-by-step on the day of all in our, um, in our patient dashboard for our patients. But essentially, yes, we want them to be um, with someone that they feel safe with. We don't want them to be completely alone in an altered state, you know, just in the event that maybe they do start to get physically sick. Nausea is, is a common side effect with ketamine or, or maybe they have a very profound emotional release. You know, we don't want them to be alone or um, just if they need anything else. Yeah, we want them to be, at, uh, we want someone to be at the home with them. So we mail them the lozenges. We give uh, a journal, an eye mask. We have um, some supplements that go along with our ketamine. All of our patients get access to our patient dashboard where we give the breathwork membership and we have the integration program. We have um, special music that goes along with the ketamine journey. So we really try to make it as easy as possible for the person to really embark on their own self-healing journey. Yeah, so this question is asked a lot. And really, I mean, a bad trip, so if you're talking about like a psychedelic bad trip, um, that can potentially happen with ketamine, just as it can with real psychedelics. But usually the bad trip is going to be precipitated by a bad, uh, what we call set and setting. You know, so if you are in an area where you, you know, a space that you don't feel comfortable, um, or, you know, your friends are messing with you or you're at a, you know, a rave or something where there's, you just don't feel comfortable and you're, you're out of your head, you know, like that can definitely create a bad trip. Um, now with ketamine, you know, it's not actually a psychedelic. You're not going to hallucinate, but it does put you in this altered state. The thing that is more common than a, a bad trip, um, would be a patient actually being confronted with a suppressed emotion that they need as part of their healing, but they they really suppress that trauma. And then all of a sudden, here we go. It's I, I just relived it in my session. And that can be difficult, but that's also where a lot of the healing is, is, you know, working through that. What can you take from it? Let's, you know, let the things that don't serve you go and move on from it. What about patient success stories? Can you share any of those? I would love to. Um, thank you for asking. So yes, I actually have um, two that I can share with you that are recent patients I've seen just over the last two weeks. And these um, these two that I'll share with you had 
remarkable results. I mean, I will say that we've had really high results. I mean, 92% of our patients do report some degree of anxiety reduction. Um, the two stories I'm going to tell you are, are quite remarkable, you know, so uh, I don't, I don't think everyone is going to have, you know, this drastic of a, of a experience, you know, after their first month. But anyway, um, one patient experience I can share with you, this is a female, a 60 year old female who was um, cognitively high functioning, working pre COVID. And when COVID hit, stopped working and was isolated like the rest of us. And all of a sudden just really spiraled downhill. Now she did tell me, she said, I've had social anxiety issues at going, you know, back in, in time. I could see that this wasn't something that just came up all of a sudden, but essentially the pandemic was just, um, was really hard for her. And she actually developed full blown agoraphobia. So she had seen her doctor, um, been on all kinds of medications over the years, was, was on a little cocktail when she saw me. Her doctor actually told her to find ketamine. So didn't have any resources to personally refer her to. Um, she found us just on her own through a search. But um, but essentially, uh, we had the visit and and she she told me, she said, it's so bad. I, I had an appointment with my doctor last week and I had to cancel. I couldn't even go. I couldn't even get out of the house. She told me, I had to take a clonazepam, which is essentially like Valium, it's a benzo, um, 30 minutes before this call just to talk to you, Lauren. She said, I'm just so embarrassed, but I just have to tell you that this is this is what's going on. This is my life. I can't get out of the house. I, I can't do anything. I don't know what's happened to me. I've got this really supportive, loving husband and he's at his wit's end. He doesn't know, you know, what happened to the, the person he was married to. And she said, I want to try your program. I want to try ketamine. Um, great. Let's go through your medical history. You know, she had, she, she ultimately was a candidate, but she also had some other things. She had some autoimmune disorders, um, disorder that caused her chronic pain. Um, she had, uh, hypothyroidism. She was, um, treated with medication. So her thyroid function was actually normal at the time. But anyway, I said, great, let, let's try ketamine, low dose. You know, we did it, gave her the instructions, um, sent her on her way. That's a, you know, a patient that I, I really did think about for weeks after. And I, I said, I, I really hope that this works for her. You know, that's someone that ketamine should help. And, and I just really hope it does. So I saw her a month later and, um, we're like literally both tearing up on the call, talking to each other as she's reporting to me her experience. She said, Lauren, after my first lozenge, the next day, I asked my husband to take me to the public pool so I could swim laughs. Because that was something that she used to do, you know, that was good for her mental health was getting out and swimming, being outside. And he did. And of course, was just like, oh my gosh, my wife, she's coming back to me. She said, I've gone out to eat twice with him. And I didn't have any issues getting out, getting ready and getting out. And she said, and not only that, I'm engaging with people. Before I was pushing them out and now I'm engaging with people. And my pain is better. You know, my pain's not gone. I wouldn't expect my pain to be gone. Ketamine, by the way, also helps with pain. Um, and, and she said, but I'm able to do my stretches and, and my rehab exercises with ease and I'm feeling better and, and it's changed my life. And she thanked me and she thanked, she said, thank you for being accessible to me on telemedicine at a low price point. And, um, and that was that. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, I, I don't even have words. Like I just, when I have these, these patient experiences, it's just so profound even to me, you know, to participate in that and, and be part of that. What a great example of somebody who wouldn't have been able to get out there, perhaps to see a therapist and do talk therapy in person. Yeah. And then I'll share another one um, 
this was a a 27-year-old male, and he struggled from social anxiety disorder and actually major depressive disorder. Um, and by the time I saw him, his depression had lifted a bit. I mean, he had been on meds and, and seen a psychiatrist and had a therapist. But at, at one point, you know, not too um, far before I saw him, he actually had some suicidal thoughts, the point where he was pushing people away. Um, he didn't tell me this the first time. He told me this on the follow-up visit that he was pushing family, friends, colleagues away because he said, I just don't want them to be emotionally attached if I leave. I mean, how sad is that? So um, just really felt for this this guy. He said, I, my anxiety is so bad, but I know I need to get out and do things because you know that's what people are telling me is I need to be so, so I need to hang out with my friends. So he would smoke marijuana and um, just enough for him to like have that um, ability to go out in a social situation. But he said he was like a wallflower. Like he was just, the marijuana would, would numb him to the effect that, you know, to the point where he could go out, but he didn't really feel he was for fully like immersing himself in the situation. So started him on our program, saw him a month later. And he was like, Lawrence, I'm not even using marijuana anymore. It is amazing that I don't even want it because you know why I want to go out. I want to socialize. I want to engage and I want to be present. I've reconnected more with my colleague that I was pushing away with my family and my friends who was like, I just feel like a totally different person. And he also thanked me <laughs> for, you know, having, um, you know, being part of, of this, this company. So very rewarding, you know, to hear these stories. So one last question for you. If there's somebody out there who's considering ketamine, but isn't quite sure if they want to try it or not, what would you say to that person? I've not personally had anyone that it didn't work for that used the program. Um, there have been cases where the patients um, can't, you know, are maybe better be suited in a one-on-one -on -one environment, you know, with a therapist because their um, their traumas are, are so intense, you know, to really like do that alone. Um, I have had patients, it's a stimulant, you know, so the stimulant effect or the nausea side effect can be very difficult for people. So I, it's, it's quite rare, but I actually have had a couple of patients that didn't continue on just because physically it was too difficult. Um, although with that said, for the most part, people do fine with the, the nausea piece, um, and, and with the stimulant effects, you know, because you, you definitely need to know a little bit more about their case, but I would say it's definitely worth at least looking into, you know, is that person a candidate from a, you know, medical standpoint? Um, ketamine is something that they don't have to take long-term. They can take a low-dose form. You know, it's not necessarily going to be an endeavor where they have to go in uh, and get a shot, you know, and, and pay thousands of dollars like some of these inpatient ketamine clinics. So I think it, it's always looking at kind of the risk, the reward um, ratio. And I would say that anyone that is suffering from anxiety or depression, look into it, you know, if you're a candidate. If you go, whether it's my office or you go somewhere else, I mean, an evaluation will be done. And if that patient is ultimately not a candidate or would be better suited to do ketamine, um, maybe, you know, with their therapist, for example, there are ketamine-assisted psychotherapists, uh, a lot of training programs for those now popping up. And so therapists are getting into that as well. You know, then I might push a patient into that direction versus doing the telemedicine uh, platform that we do. That's a good point. We can always explore if it's right for you. You can make an appointment. You can talk to somebody and you can ask them, what do you think? And ask all the questions that you have, do your research ahead of time and find out if it's good for you. 
Lauren Swanson, thank you so much for being on the Very Well Mind podcast and for sharing so much incredible information about ketamine with us. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is the part of the show where I'll break down Lauren's tips for learning about whether ketamine might be good for your mental health. Here are three of my favorite strategies that Lauren shared. Number one, educate yourself on ketamine. Before you commit to taking any prescription, it's important to educate yourself. But I can't tell you how many people have come into my therapy office over the years who had no idea why they took a certain medication. Some of them had really long lists of prescriptions prescribed by multiple doctors who didn't communicate. Ketamine isn't something you should just take without doing your homework. Don't just read one article or review one website. Read the studies on it for yourself to see how it affects your specific condition. The more you learn about it, the more confident you might feel about your decision about whether it's right for you. Number two, research your provider and administration options. A good place to start the conversation might be with your physician. Your doctor might be able to talk about any potential risk factors that you might have that could affect whether ketamine's right for you. Do your homework on the different ways you might try ketamine. Some people want to go to an infusion clinic where there'll be medical providers standing by. Other people prefer to try it from home. But you should educate yourself on things like the fees, the risks, the potential benefits, and all those other factors before giving it a try. Keep in mind that at the moment, there's not a lot of oversight about who can prescribe ketamine. And it hasn't been prescribed for mental health issues for all that long. So it's important to consider who's prescribing it, what pharmacy is dispensing it, and where you'll have it administered. And number three, talk to people who've tried it. It's one thing to hear from someone who prescribes ketamine, but completely different to hear firsthand experiences from people who have tried it. If you know someone who's tried it, you might ask them about it if it feels appropriate. If you don't know anyone who's personally tried it, look for real patient stories online. Check out a site like Reddit where people share information in forums and you might discover what people have to say about how it's affected their symptoms, any problems they've had, and how their ketamine treatment compares to other treatments that they've tried. Learning more from other people might help you decide if it's a treatment that you want to explore. So those are three strategies that I highly recommend. Educate yourself on ketamine, research your treatment options, and talk to someone who's tried it. Before we go, I just want to note that Very Well Mind does not endorse WonderMed or any other online ketamine prescriber at this time. When we do review different services at Very Well Mind, it's backed by our expert-driven methodology, which has not yet been extended to online therapy involving ketamine or psychedelic prescriptions. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcast.